A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Survivor Series Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to review everything that happened at Survivor Series. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review pay-per-views, but also Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2. Egg! Oh, AEW Dynamite, <laughs> and AEW Rampage. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet to discuss everything that it did and didn't, I suppose, happen at Survivor Series, a show dominated... By one question, who stole the egg? Who's t- <laughs> We're going to sound like we're making a yoke of this entire show. But who stole the egg? Last if people haven't seen this show, and even if they have seen this show, but they haven't seen for the film Red Notice, none of this makes any sense. I haven't seen Red Notice, so I'm piecing it together from what I saw on this card. Let's do this now, because it doesn't feature in any of the matches at all. Um, on the kickoff, Vince Elimo pulled up, and all the wrestlers... The 12 remaining wrestlers that have still got jobs uh, surrounded the limo and Vince McMahon got out and they were all instructed to cheer and lavish praise upon him. And you're looking at it and the optics are hideous, but you're looking at this scene going, yeah, this checks out. This is what they'd ask their staff to do. And then they're even more in awe when he reaches into his car and pulls out these nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, that and limos and anyway, legal it is allegedly. Um, (laughs) He pulls out a big egg. <laughs> egg, 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 egg. A big gold egg. A big... Now, I think this is, oh, like billionaires and a Fabergé eggs. They're stupid, ludicrous hobbies. It's a $100 million egg, Wilborn. Yeah. But it's basically some sort of um, thing from this Red Notice. Like, the, the desirable object of which everybody is presumably chasing in Red Notice, I, w- I would guess. Yes, basically, right? Cleopatra was given three golden eggs. Right. <laughs> As part of a wedding gift, I think. Okay. And then someone, there was one in a in a, in the Louvre mm-hmm. in France. <laughs> right. Which is the kick of the film is uh, Ryan Reynolds stealing that egg, right. and the Rock going, "Don't steal that egg." <laughs> and then there's another. There's a Nazi egg. Okay. And then there's a mystery egg. Oh um, no. Um, a war uh, criminal's got one of them, I think. Yeah, Vince McMahon. And then Ed Sheeran <laughs> fight, has a fight with some police or something. I'm not spoiling much from Red Notice, but it, this plot centers around three eggs, <laughs> and Vince shows up with one of the eggs and <laughs> says, I've got a $100 million egg. Roman Wayne's went in off this brand warfare bollocks. I want to come and see this egg. <laughs> 
and he says it's hundred million dollars, and he goes, huh, "I'll be my, how much my contract's worth next time." And I think, yeah, probably will be. If they <laughs> keep looking talent like this. And then later on in the show, mm-hmm. someone stole the egg. My favorite part of this whole thing, though, was main event finishers. We'll talk about the matches in a minute. I promise. Mm-hmm. Main event finishers, and people in the comments of our live stream are going, "Well, who's got the egg?" This is where we find out. Is it Ronda Rousey? <laughs> is it Brock Lesnar? Is it the man this entire fucking show has mm. been built around? The Rock. Not only is it a big 25-year celebration of the greatest wrestler ever, in my opinion, The Rock, and his debut at Survivor Series 1996. They're promoting his goddamn film. They've done a special 25-man battle royal on this show, and we'll talk about that as well. We will, yeah. And then they just go, well, thanks for watching. <laughs> do they do they recap who won Brand Warfare? No. Do they tell you who's got the egg? No. They just go, well, day one's in uh, January. See you then. You are grossly underselling. Grossly underselling. I know you'll do justice on the preview, but you are grossly underselling tomorrow's Monday Night Raw. Oh, because in this... Hook. In this hunt for Egg October, or Egg November, I guess, tomorrow's Raw is going to be the one night of the year where Raw and SmackDown superstars are on the same show, World One, because they've been called there, called into the, well, for on in terms of SmackDown wrestlers, their day off, mm-hmm. because one of them has taken the egg. And is this like when you were at school, and it was like, right, if somebody doesn't admit, the whole class is going to stay after school. If somebody on the SmackDown roster has got this, now is the time. Like, give it up anonymously. You just leave it in the building before you go. Otherwise, everyone else on the roster is going to be gunning for you. I mean, I actually hold Roman Reigns a little bit responsible for this because he was sat in that room with Vince joking about his big contract. Not much good as the head of the table if you don't spot an egg being lifted off it. Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's his whole deal. I'll put food on your table. Well, somebody's literally taking it off. (laughs) And where were you, Roman? Where were you? Egg. <laughs> Last paper of the year from WWE. This. <laughs> and not War Games, I suppose War Games technically. We, I can't wait to see what colour the War Games cage is now, by the way. we Oh, well, yeah, but they're not going to like have real guns. Like in the, It's all going to be paintball guns, isn't it? Yeah. In the two-point. No. Last week, we previewed this Survivor Series by talking about last year's Survivor Series and what a different world it was then and what a different weird show. We didn't expect this show to be as weird as it was. But we talked about the hologram of... Paul Bearer, this felt like a hologram of a wrestling show because it certainly didn't feel like a real one from the bulk of it, did it? The thing is, the opener and the main event mm. were both great. Well, I'll have a chat about that. Oh, okay. I, I thought they both were okay. great. It's just everything else. Yeah. So if, if I hadn't had the egg stuff to get through <laughs> it, I might put my foot through the it screen, did, I've got to be honest. It did need the egg. That's the weird thing. The show did need the egg stuff. Mm. Well, let's start on the kickoff show. We're not going to talk too much about the match itself because, oh. yeah, guess what? It went to a DQ. Mm. Uh, I think this is probably the official Damien Priest heel turn. I mean, I've been wondering for a while whether his first name and surname can coexist, and it turns <laughs> out they can't. I'd never seen this entrance. I must have missed this on recent episodes of Raw when one's all white, and that's the Priest side. <laughs> Damien side. Uh, he had uh, Shinsuke Nakamura in some sort of, I think maybe a triangle choke or whatever, Shinsuke Nakamura was out, but he was woken up by the power of rock. <laughs> so Damien, not priest, not priest, Damien went outside, attacked Rick Boogs, yeah. snapped his guitar in half, twatted him with one half of the guitar, 
and then hit Shinsuke with it. And therefore, first point on the board, not that there was a board that they ever paid any attention to, to SmackDown because Shinsuke won uh, courtesy of a DQ. What a load of bollocks. Yeah, not great. It was great. a sign of things to come, this, wasn't it? A little bit, a little bit. Um, yeah, you throw your first match out there and it's a disqualification. You run the risk of really killing the crowd before you build an entire show around a $100 million egg. <laughs> um, I mean, I've that was a more aggressive flying V than any that were thrown in the four-game main event last week, but we'll let Kenny off because he's injured. Um, it was pretty cool, that guitar shot at the end, but I was a bit sad to see Damien Priest mugged off like this because this was the third... He kind of put Boogs on a last warning, didn't he? Mm. There's two or three times where Boogs distracted Priest with the riff. And it was just, what a lame sentence. Yeah. <laughs> what a lame sentence in an otherwise kind of boring match that just got good-ish at the end. And it didn't get great, but the fans were biting on the near falls as if any of this mattered. Couldn't have mattered less as if the relegations of the pre-show didn't highlight that enough. And then they throw it out because... Priest goes nuts with this guitar. And as you say, I guess it's a heel turn. I'm sad to see it. I think the um, one of the things we've always said about Damien Priest being Teflon to the bad booking is that not only is it impressive that he's over at all off the back of the year he's had, but he's also over as a baby face. Uh, mm. People like him enough. And you've just taken that and you're going to force this. Like he was just so much, I know he's gone more aggressive in recent weeks. Like Dominic Dijakovic, uh, T-Bar brought out the worst in him. Um, and there's a potential feud on the cards with, well, there was anyway, with Apollo Crews, I think mm-hmm. it was. But this is more, this isn't aggression so much as it was, as you say, a turn. So we'll see if anything comes of it on Raw, or indeed if he took the egg. Or his friend Bad Bunny, of course, which would be well, very I mean, obvious. That, this is it. Maybe he got the egg for Bad Bunny because, as we know, Bad Bunny's on that massive tour that he sold out in like a second, which must have confused the hell out of WWE because they haven't sold the building out in, in forever. Anyway, let's start on the main card, which if it's not going to be the, the main event, you might as well put it in the opener. Mm. A white-hot brawl. Mm. This wasn't a match. This was a downright fight between the SmackDown Women's Champion and the Raw Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch. And they kicked the crap out of each other, didn't they? Yeah, this was um, a mess in all the best possible ways. This felt as um, it legitimately impressive in parts, this, because... We talked about this before. As much as the there's this cool, tense energy around um, matches when we know the wrestlers potentially don't get along, reality says that the matches are destined to fail compared mm. to the one where the two wrestlers are best friends because wrestling's about trust. Wrestling's about a strong working relationship. It's not about somebody going out there to try and bury the other one because you've got to work together for the betterment of both of you. They seem to pitch this just about right. Um, if we're to believe that the tension is still there, they were able to put it in a way... They were able to put it on one side just enough to put forth a professional version of a horrible, nasty little pub fight... Um, there was lots of little moments in this where it was just scrappy to the betterment of the story they were telling. I will think a lot as my takeaway from this match of that spot where um, Becky was going to the top rope to do a move on Charlotte and Charlotte just grabbed her leg a little bit longer than you'd see normally. Becky stepped over on, on route mm. to go into the top rope and typically that would just be this thing where Charlotte would sell on the ground and then the, you know Becky would go up top but instead Charlotte hooked her leg a bit and Becky had to go back and stomp and punch and punch and punch and punch and punch. And punch. As if, again, that moment that, oh, was that was that supposed to happen? Mm. You know, was that, there was lots of those little 
gritty and grisly little spots between Anytime them. that someone was like jaw-jacking whilst putting a beat on someone, if they paused for a second, the other mm. one would just go, no, I'll just slap the taste out of your mouth if yeah. you do that. And, and that, that spinning back kick from oh, Becky early on. Oh, God. Just brilliant. And, and you know, it would be insulting to say they weren't working. This is mm. this is their job. They're supposed to be fooling us, and they did a fantastic job. I want to believe that they did just put their professional hats on all night and did a fantastic job of fooling us with the work because I thought it was a genuinely strong and enjoyable match. The finish was, it was what it was, I guess. And in hindsight, there there was some reports coming out that maybe there was a chance this was going to go on last. And I wonder if all they could come up with as a finish is why they put it on first instead because the finish felt very, the finish brought back around the reality. You kind of got the impression that it was done for political reasons. Mm. You get two roll-ups, one, Becky grabs a tights, but is claiming the win as if she's really achieved something when Charlotte then walks to the back with a smile on her face doing that kind of Triple H, well, you got me this time type thing, which nobody really likes to see. Mm. Didn't feel particularly vindicating for a fan compared to the match we'd just seen. Mm. Worth going out of your way for anybody that hasn't seen it of checking out um, Becky's promo for WWE.com. She bursts into tears at the collapse of her relationship with Charlotte and that's either just tremendous work that adds to what adds to the mythology of this rivalry or they really have fallen out and this is the last this is the last time they're going to see each other for a little while and well until until raw because of the egg yeah and it was nice to see uh I always like when people steal each other's moves and stuff so mm. her putting Charlotte in the figure four for example and then Charlotte putting Becky in yeah. the in the disarmor for example I thought that was really nice uh, and they just slapped the piss out of each other in between mm. that and then yeah Becky after Charlotte tried to grab the ropes rolling her up did the exact same and got some tights and grabbed the rope but the ref didn't see it and, and got the victory and I liked Becky you know flaunting her victory and Charlotte being basically unable to look at her whilst that yeah. was all going on uh, that being shoved in her face and uh, well interesting start of gear stir for the night for Becky mm. Lynch as well uh, a very eye-catching outfit. Yeah, it was great to see. I, I love Survivor Series for the banker of there being at least sort of like five or six wrestlers that are going to be brand-specific. Scarlet Witch was a reference mm-hmm. that I saw online. I can't pretend to know what that's in reference to. But I just, One Division. One Division, thank you. She just looked really cool. So um, I like it when they do. I like seeing them in the dashing red and blue Nakamura's trousers on the kickoff are nice as well. Uh, right, then we got our first Survivor Series elimination five-on-five five match. It was the men's Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. Team SmackDown represented by Drew McIntyre, Jeff Hardy, King Woods, Happy Corbin, and Sheamus, who was, of course, added after SmackDown, or as a result of what happened on SmackDown this week, I should say. Uh, Team Raw, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Bobby Lashley, Austin Theory, and the man who immediately worked out walked out when the bell rang, Kevin Owens. Yeah. This was bloody long. Oh, man, it just... If there was one takeaway, WWE and AEW is just so worlds apart in the products that they put forth at this point. And it's worth going back to that every now and then. Because although we make the comparisons typically about things that AEW do great that WWE can't do anymore, the fact remains is that you're kind of you vo- you're bordering on comparing apples and oranges at this point. One of the apples few and eggs. And uh, apples and eggs. One of the few areas in which WWE could have and should have had their ear to the ground on criticisms of last week's show was in length and in pacing. AEW got both wrong to the detriment of the whole show, in truth. Um, And yet we got half an hour, I think this went, the better part of 30 minutes, uh, on a heatless, stakesless, (laughs) 
multi-man match in which the partners didn't get along, in which we, uh, the brand stuff that we're just used to, this was nothing. This and people did get along who've got a storied history of not getting along. Yeah, that you pointed out, like we were, we sat and watched this one together, and you and Phil pointed out that Seamus and Jeff Hardy, who were doing double team moves together, were like throwing piss on each other last year in the in the performance center era of SmackDown, I think. Setting it was. the other one up to look like they're a drunk driver who nearly killed Elias. Yeah, just uh, minor plots, like minor developments in people's lives, mocking somebody's alcoholism. Just, no, nothing, nothing big to go on. You now know. we're blue blue together. Yeah, I mean they're there. I guess they're each other's alibis for whoever stole the egg, because they were both out there in the ring, weren't they? For fucking ages. It was just I uh, it was there was a couple of nice moments, but that's about as kind as you can be to this. I loved um the Drew ran around the length of the ring to deck uh, Seth Rollins, which was quite cathartic, Seth's annoying, and then Seth got him back later on. Drew and Bobby's stuff was physical, meat-slapping, good times, but it, it kind of telegraphed immediately what was going to happen mm. with the two of them. Uh, you get those cop-out finishes in Survivor Series. Bobby Lashley looked awesome in his raw red tights, by the way. Just oh. just tremendous. Reminded me and of Seth in his jacket. Seth looked pretty swish, too. Bobby Lashley reminded me of... Um, WWE's first ever pay-per-view in HD was the 2008 Rumble and Umaga wore those pixel-splitting red trousers that, like, I think sent me to the opticians for the first time because they were so <laughs> bright. Um, yeah, there was just very few genuinely, like, character-building moments. There was a few little sweet spots. Again, the Sheamus and Jeff Hardy stuff was all right. Austin Theory, like, he was there, and I understood the idea that, oh, like... He's there to have a big night and try and make himself famous. But I, I can't say that he managed it. And there was, if anything, it was funnier when the likes of Seamus saw him coming and just booted him from his blind spot. <laughs> like, nothing really. Nothing. You'll never, ever, ever watch this match no. again. Ever. And for 30 minutes on a... The only way we made this interesting was the pasty bet that I had with Phil, that I had Team Raw for Survivor Series. He had Team SmackDown. Right, okay. Uh... And this was kind of a crucial one because we all knew Roman was probably beating E and I assumed the Usos were going to beat RK Bro. We'll get to that. Where you were going to get it from, Greg's. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as I mentioned, though, I'll go through the eliminations if you've not seen it. Kevin Owens walked out at the start of the match and Seth Rollins I mean, asked him where he was going like he hasn't seen something like this before. Kev, just keep going, mate. Just keep walking. Like, look for the signs of Jacksonville and don't stop. Just keep fighting for a few more months. Kev. <laughs> uh, I was about to say King Corbin. Happy Corbin got uh, put away by a coup de grace from Finn Balor. Uh, King Woods, uh, I suppose, technically submitted, but it was the hurt lock from Bobby yeah. Lashley. Just ragdolled him. Then Bobby and Drew, as we mentioned, fought each other to a count out. Finn Balor went for another coup de grace on Sheamus, but Sheamus got out of the way, and Finn Balor turned round into a bro kick. Then Sheamus got rolled up by Austin Theory and responded by attacking his only other partner, Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy, though, managed to put away Austin Theory and looked like he had the match won. He hit a twist of fate on Seth Rollins, who was the uh, last man for Team Raw, fighting for that red brand as he has done for, <laughs> what, three weeks? Um, <laughs> and then uh, Jeff Hardy comes off the top, uh, having nailed Austin Theory with a swanton bomb, just landing right on top of him. He does not roll through in his uh, later years. This time, though, Seth Rollins got the knees up, stomp to Jeff Hardy, one, two, three. Seth Rollins is the sole survivor, and Team Raw get another win. Yeah, well, this is it. Not that they put the scoreboard up once, not that the results meant anything, not that Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce appeared to give a single toss 
when they were just there being gross little toadies to Vince McMahon in his office when the situation had broken down with the egg. But uh, good night for Raw, I understand. You'd done the maths. Mm-hmm. Raw pretty much swept the board apart from the main event, did they? Yeah, aside from Roman and a DQ, it was all Monday Night Raw. <laughs> it's not going to matter, is it? N- nothing matters. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Let's continue with something that will live long in the memory not necessarily the right reasons. Oh. Uh, I've only just discovered upon reading this on Wikipedia that this was a Rocks 25th yeah. anniversary 25-man battle royal rather yeah. than just a 25-man battle royal for the goddamn sake of it. So they hoid out all your usual, you know, fodder. Uh, Viking Raiders and, and Chad Gable and, and Otis and the Street Profits all just... Meat in the ring, bodies in there, because I called this when I walked into work today, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you did. The moment did. I saw there was going to be a battle royal, I went, oh, cool. Almost is winning that mm-hmm. then. And they teased a few eliminations. Uh, Street Profits, despite the fact that they're on Raw, teamed up to try and eliminate him together with Ricochet and Cesaro, but he fought them all off. And it was just a shambles, this. It was a lot of people wearing T-shirts fighting each other, including people wearing their own T-shirts, the same T-shirts as they're wearing, and some uh, plug for Pizza Hut or something. Oh, man. Uh, really embarrassing, this was. Really embarrassing. The We talked about the, um, the T-shirt battle royals of the past and just how everybody... And product placement from WWE, the zombie thing, of oh, course. Oh, yeah. Like, just they'll sacrifice out now. They're, like... They do not care. This is a content production company and they will produce content even if that content is sponsored and that was the case. So this match needed hashtag ad splashed across the <laughs> screen for legal reasons. The, I mean, to be fair, it played like reality 
Because Leo Rush said when he was working for WWE, he was losing money and couldn't afford to eat. So maybe that's why the superstars were so determined to win this battle royal and get the pizza. Did you see how pissed off Omos was when um, the Street Profits took his pizza? You'd think they'd just stolen one, like his title belt or something. Or you'd think that he... R-Truth had tried to feed him a bit earlier as well. And Otis had eaten it instead because, you know, he fed. <laughs> you'd think that Omos owned a $100 million egg and somebody had nicked it. <laughs> the way that he was going on when they took them pizzas. What a just shambolic state of affairs this was. And the thing is, right, and I remember this from the zombies at the time, there is, I, there's a section of the fan base out there, and I don't know why I'm, like, giving them oxygen here, but you criticise a, uh, a co-promotion like this, WWE with zombies, WWE with eggs, WWE pizza, whatever, and you, you're apparently in the wrong because, well, he can't see, actually, that it's a really good deal in the film. Or, like, Pete Sutton and WWE are going to make great money out of this. Can't you, can't you see what they're doing? I can, but it's not, I'm, it doesn't help me invest in the fiction, does it? I'm not supposed to sit there and applaud good marketing strategies. I'm not. Also, I watch other sports do seamless integration of other stuff. Yeah. On, on UFC, they don't go, this fight to you, uh, brought to you by uh, Modelo Especial, which is why... In between each round, the fighters are going to be neck and bottles of Modelo. <laughs> no, they just go, oh, there's a beer and it's on the ring. Or, you know, we're going into the third round and this is sponsored by P3 Protein Nuts or whatever it mm-hmm. may be. Rather than the street profits shilling for pizza as they come out. And they describe it as a three-course meal. Course one and two were pizza, weren't they? <laughs> I mean, I'd have a three-course meal made up of just three different pizzas. I could make it that It was work. pizza, pizza... And like, what was what was in the last what's Cinnabon? It, what? I think Cinnabon. or something. Um, oh, look, almost. What was reassuring is that you know the the Meltzerism we often go back to about Vincent Man has forgotten how to ride a bike. Maybe he's remembered, or Bruce and Johnny have attached some stabilizers because this was fairly competent booking of a big man. Um, and you notice that like he's the favorite big man because Commander Aziz and Shanky were just given to Omos for the benefit of this match. So they, they've got their eyes on the prize with him. Um, faint praise, though, because if this was Andre the Giant, he wouldn't have celebrated winning the Battle Royal by getting pissed off that somebody nicked his pizza. And Sammy, I felt a bit sorry for Sami Zayn because he turned around with Ricochet and Cesaro and went, we're the last three members yeah. of Team Blue. Let's stick together. And they went, we'll get rid of him. Yeah. I, well, uh, yeah, I thick baby faces. They got what they were coming at them. My favourite bit, though, because this was quite crucial, obviously, in the in the bet that me and Phil had. Okay. When it got down to the final two, and I went, cool, so in my corner is Omos, seven foot tall, dominated, won the tag, teams pretty, tag team titles pretty much single-handedly at WrestleMania. In Phil Chambers' corner is Ricochet. <laughs> <laughs> I went, how are you feeling about this? Because I've got a feeling uh, that guy's going to fly over the top rope. <laughs> And they did the old, oh, maybe he's going to, oh, no, goodbye. So you had your soldiers and Phil had his soldiers, but in the end, Phil's team was boiled. Congratulations. Absolutely scrambled with this result. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then some pizza bollocks afterwards at the Street Province hoying pizza into the crowd. I don't, what, like, are we going to hear from the, the authority figures on this one? Is there going to be punishment doled out by Adam Pearce because we had a deal with pizza and you've blown it? Is Sonia Deville Eggs going to have words about this? Tomorrow night, does any of this matter tomorrow? It's fine because uh, Becky Lynch is going to come out and you know the whole thing that Charlotte was pushing with her, mm-hmm. except she's going to be called Becky Domin. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Very nice. Very good. Uh, I was sort of, I can't remember whether this match was good or not that came next, but I was so ready for some actual wrestling to happen that mm. was exciting. I really quite enjoyed the Usos versus RK, bro. Randy Orton setting this pay-per-view record. Was it 177 pay-per-view matches? And I can remember about five of them <laughs> off the top of my head, mainly because Seth Rollins jettisoned himself into mm. the stratosphere in that infamous WrestleMania moment. Um, but yeah, RK, bro versus the Usos. The Usos, mwah, all white gear with blue socks to represent the blue brand. Right. Great stuff. But uh, even my prediction was too confident for SmackDown that the bloodline's the only good thing about SmackDown, <laughs> so at least they'll all win. Nope, the Usos did well, dominated Riddle for large parts, but Orton came in, did a few scoop slams, did that thing where he hangs someone off the ropes and drops them, hoied a few people uh, into announce tables that didn't break as well. And then the finish saw a blind tag from Riddle to Orton. Uh, the Usos didn't realize one of them went up top for a big old splash, and as he came off, an RKO out of nowhere. Yeah, and undeniably great and sort of perfectly placed and pitched mid-card match this. Um, all action, very, like a lightning bolt in truth, like a jolt of electricity on a show that desperately needed it. It would have warmed what looked like a bunch of very stale pizzas that were getting tossed into the crowd, frisbeed in by Montez Ford before this match. It was, you know, like, he gets a bit of grief from us on this podcast, doesn't he, Randy Orton? I think as, like, even you there, the, the sort of the kindest of all of us couldn't resist a bit of a dig in the rib as you're paying tribute to him. And I think of all the nights, like, he's always been a quantity over quality man, but this was a night to celebrate quantity. This was, um, you know, like, if anything, the last few weeks have proven that job security is not a thing, mm -hmm. in WWE, even in those years when it was. And for Randy Orton to amass this many matches when he spent so much of his time defecating in colleagues' bag and scraping the smegma from his penis and testicles before he shakes hands with low-paid members of staff, I think is something that is absolutely to be toasted. With a vintage RKO out of nowhere, um, him and his partner deserve each other, and long may they reign. Also personified by the fact that he did hit that RKO out of nowhere. Didn't protect his partner. He no, still got splashed by uh, the Uso, but he just yeah. his lifeless body there. 2021 Swanton bombed him with an Uso. <laughs> good, uh, though. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, really good. Um, well, I say really good. Better than what preceded it. Mm. So, great on <laughs> Um What wasn't so good was what came next. It was good in flashes. Those flashes being oh, yeah. anything involving Bianca Belair, probably. Yeah. Uh, and specifically Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks, when they got together, the crowd stopped chanting for CM Punk and doing a Mexican wave. But it was the five-on-five -five Survivor Series uh, women's match. Team Raw, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, Carmella, and Queens Aliga versus Team SmackDown, Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler, Shotzi, Natalia, and Tony <laughs> Storm. And, yeah, again, we should have seen where this was going when Carmella was eliminated in the first minute because of mask stuff. Yeah, they were so Brooklyn were chanting for CM Punk, who of course wrestles for another promotion at this point. He's no longer the protest wrestler that they are asking to come back. They are simply cheering for somebody they would rather watch. Only stopped, as you pointed out, by the pretty cool mid-match interaction between Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. I wouldn't be surprised if eventually AEW doesn't just poach those two from this division. Um, because everybody else was kind of worthless here. I know you've got um I know you've got a bit of a spectrum of experience, I guess would be the kind way to put this, and that's fine. You know, we, we kind of say this about the AEW women's division. It's 
you need to be putting the inexperienced wrestlers in with the more experienced one and then the reps improve everybody and you get these new combinations and things that you didn't know that you could enjoy until you actually see them. But this should have been a perfect opportunity to illustrate that. You bring wrestlers in in small doses, you give them short bursts, big moments, and everybody gets over. And instead, it was sort of the the worst-case scenario for everything, really. The, The crowd were growing increasingly tired at being served a fairly moribund to actively bad wrestling show. They were kind of losing patience with it. Um, They only came around for the wrestlers that they saw as over. You had odd booking choices like Tony Storm getting that little flash of dominance. The finisher looks so good on Zelina. Uh, uh, Queen Zelina, I should say. But then what happens is, is that transparent thing where they've only done it because they want to eliminate her. So you get this cool flash and then she's gone. So 65 seconds after she hit that finish. Yeah, and it's like, in their minds, what they're thinking is, oh, the, the people will remember that, oh, she's back and she's hit this finish and we're going to start using her now. But you've just pinned her 65 seconds later. So regardless of if we might remember that in the weeks to come, the people in the building are going to feel deflated mm. at the sight of that. Um, there was a cool moment between Rhea Ripley and um, Shayna Baszler, where we all remember that one time NXT won a ratings point, mm-hmm. and you just looked at them and think, Christ, how the mighty have fallen. Um, Shotzi, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, I'd, I think there's a lot more leeway if she's a baby face for the botchers. Yeah, it was n- not a great night, I think, for Shotzi, is the nicest way I can put this. But she was given an awful lot of shine and was permitted to go the distance, basically. Um, outlasting Sasha, which will be oh, seen as like a like a moral vi- that awful playing out of Sasha falling out with the team. Um, Let's but, talk about that. So yeah, so Sasha Banks as captain is leading them to certain victory. You would have to assume well, they were four four on one, weren't they? Four on one, and that's when it turns out they can't coexist. And uh, Rhea Ripley had been taken out by everyone hitting her finisher, basically. Yeah, Liv Morgan had been pinned. A min- uh, 70 seconds after she'd pinned Tony Storm with that finisher. Same again, they give Liv Morgan this moment to be like, see, see, and then pin her anyway. So again, the air's out of the balloon before it's even fully inflated. And it's just lots of those little really odd booking choices. And then it gets to this point where SmackDown are completely in charge. And that's, and I get it, like that's when they pull the trigger on the in- intra-team turn because you want, right, Bianca Belletta get a big comeback. It just, if you want to do that, just give her a big comeback. Just let it go down to one-on-one. And if anything... I mean, it's easier said in hindsight. They've tried to book the match without knowing how this would go down. But people wanted Bianca and Sasha more than they wanted can Team SmackDown coexist. And they couldn't. And, I mean, Sasha got back in the ring twice. Yeah. She, she got back in. I've always been taught, even if they just sort of half get it. Briggs count. Yeah, in. Yep. She rolled in. The ref went, well, you're not all in. Mm-hmm. And she got pulled out by, I don't know, Natalia at one point, And then all three of them at another point. She, she just got counted out. And then Natalia puts the submission on, puts the sharpshooter on Bianca Belair. She powers out. She falls into to, to Shayna Baszler, turns around, boom, pinned by Bianca Belair. Shayna Baszler puts Bianca Belair, who's, you know, exhausted, mm. in the Kirafuda clutch and then just lets it go. Yeah. Bianca Belair pins her. <clears throat> and then, yeah, Shotzi just gets picked up and hit with a KOD. Oops. Stole survivor Bianca Belair. It's... Going to rehabilitate her. We said this from the beginning. Mm. She needs to be the one who wins and wins, you know, comprehensively to try and re-establish her. Despite the fact they shouldn't have to do something like that, but still. Well, yeah, that's it. 
but everything else was just a mess. And and I would rather go back and watch the men's than the women's, despite the fact they had those moments of shine between Sasha and Bianca here. Fans work with it, and you typically see a lot of um, criticism being directed at quiet crowds, and I'm not a fan of that. You give an audience something they want to watch, and they'll be loud for you. And by this point in the show, the audience did not want to watch this, and very little was given to them to make them. And and ultimately, and this is not any of the wrestlers' fault, because we're going to come on to this in the main event in a major way, but... As has been the case, as I was at one of the Survivor Series where this happened, and I think maybe NXT gave them a bit of a free pass. But in the years either side of that one NXT Survivor Series in 2019, WWE are reaping what they saw here. They are setting up a ton of matches in Raw versus SmackDown that fans simply do not care about the stakes of and do not care about the story. So when they're playing to virtual silence or very little interest, it's not the fault of the wrestlers. It's the fault of the organization for persisting with this objectively bad idea. Well, let's get to the main event then. It was champion versus champion. Roman Reigns, universal champion versus big <laughs> WWE champion. And this was paced quite slowly early on, but it was big meaty men slapping meat by the end of it. Mm, it was. I wonder if this will be part two of a uh, two-part series of Roman Reigns, Survivor Series, big hitters that I don't enjoy. Because <laughs> I didn't like the Drew McIntyre one last year, and a lot of people did. And I thought this was really boring. I thought, really, really boring. I didn't want it to be. Love Big E, one of my very favourites. Um, talk about the gear, first of all. Oh, yeah. like I Let's talk about the gear. Because what's the deal with Big E's gear? Um, it's a Seinfeld reference. And it's not just one Seinfeld reference. It's a hundred of them. Big E's uh, a massive Seinfeld fan. Jonathan Davenport's a, a genius. Follow him on Twitter or Instagram, I forget what it is, but just Google Jonathan Davenport, New New Day gear designer. We kind of cover him and put him over all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of the the Big E, the uh, the sort of top of his back, had uh, Big E in the Seinfeld lettering against the circle. Tons of references up the side on the jacket. He looked absolutely tremendous um, in New York, of course, which is where Seinfeld's based, just having a lot of fun with it. Um, And Seinfeld, I wonder if this was a very, very subtle dig the Survivor Series, because Seinfeld famously was always a show about nothing. They didn't, no hugging, no learning. That was always the, the modus operandi of Seinfeld, even as a sitcom, a show about nothing. I wonder if that's what Biggie was saying about Survivor Series, <laughs> because that's ultimately what this proved to be for the umpteenth year in a row, a show about nothing. And yeah, I just, the fans were, look, let's do the excuses first. Tired, mm-hmm. probably, because this show felt long. Disappointed, probably, because... The show had kind of failed to deliver much in the way of big moments or exciting moments or bang for your buck. Um, confused. Egg. Who's got the egg? Was the biggest. <laughs> Are we going to get an, an egg satisfactory conclusion on this show? No. <laughs> was the biggest story of the night by far. So they'll be sat there confused or already on their way back to the cars and thus not able to make noise because they weren't in the building anymore. Could have been all of those things. So the wrestlers were really up against it. And in truth, the match, other than a like decent last two or three minutes where you kind of got into the finisher trades and Biggie survived a particularly close near fall off a spear. I want to say it was a spear. It might have been a Superman punch, but he, they ju- he just got fans to bite on that after he kicked out from that because setting up for that, when he hit that first spear through the ropes, there was genuine momentum behind him. He um, misses. Yeah, when Biggie hit the one through the ropes that he, that he goes for, there was genuine momentum with him and it didn't last very long, but it was there. And then once he went for the second one, 
and missed. He felt things were coming to an end for him. But all of that accounted for like two minutes of the, of the whole match. And yeah, it was very noticeable <clears throat> when uh, Cole, on numerous occasions, I don't really hear a lot of the commentary on the mm. live stream, but I did pick up him saying, methodical pace here from Roman Reigns. And I was like, yeah, we know why that is. Well, it's going 20, 25 minutes, and that's exactly what happened. The One of the big tells as well. Do you remember at WrestleMania, which was actually the first time that this Roman Reigns character fought in front of a crowd, and we didn't know how audiences would take to him. And do you remember that? Amazing, socially distanced, bear in mind, that amazing moment where he was at the announce table, I think with Daniel Bryan, and he just stopped and he glared at the crowd and they just like came at him with all of these boos. All he had to do was stare at them and you're thinking, this is a big moment for this character because he's gone from never generating the reactions he's supposed to, to doing the bare minimum and getting it. And that's exactly what this guy should have been all along. He knew that this wasn't going down well. He He's been doing this long enough, and he's a pro, and he kept going. He said, like, shut your mouths, Brooklyn. And it was like, yep, no bother, we'll do it. Yeah. We, you, you got it. So he was like, no, no, chasing heat here. Shut your mouths, Brooklyn. Silence, crickets. Shut your mouths, Brooklyn, or I'll come out there and smash every one of you. Silence, crickets. Like, well, they're doing what you're asking, Tribal Chief. They're acknowledging you. Isn't that what you've been after all this time? <laughs> like, it just, it didn't. And then he, like, he was battering Biggie around the outside of the ring and there was a bit more of the sort of jaw-jacking with the audience just trying to pull him into it and they just, they weren't having it. And I, yeah, I don't hold it against them. There was noise. There was proper noise in the last sort of two or three minutes of this. Um, and then Roman won and then everybody waited. And, you know, when commentators, some of them, Jim Ross especially was always one for this. He was obviously heavily involved in everything behind the scenes in WWE, and yet he tried whenever he could to not know how things were going to play out so his reactions would feel real on the night. I wondered if that was the case with Michael Cole. I wondered if, you know, when we see those 24 specials where mm. somebody's been hidden on a bus for their big surprise. So Michael Cole's been out there three or four hours, and somebody's, there's no chance he would know when, let's take a Ronda Rousey at the Royal Rumble, he might have heard the whispers mm. and been keeping his fingers crossed that the, the gossip he'd heard was true. And then he gets it in his ear at the last minute. Right, Cole, in uh, three, two, one, it's Ronda Rousey. Like, that, that's about as exciting as it can possibly get without, you know, knowing just as we see yeah. it. Everything went quiet on the commentary. And I wondered if, after all these years, Michael Cole is being like, right, what's, what's coming in my ears? Is this Brock? Is it Rock? Um, what's the deal? Like, And they've done this trick with Roman a couple of times on paper, haven't they? It was mm -hmm. John Cena at Money in the yeah. Bank, and it was Brock at SummerSlam. Um and so it was quite a long, pregnant pause. And then he, he, they framed Roman up against the Survivor Series sign on the Titantron. And Cole was like, well, that's a great night. We'll see on Raw. Who's got the egg? <laughs> and uh, something like that. But it was just, yeah, we'll see everybody tomorrow night. Thanks a lot for that. And you, you can even think, oh, really? Is that, is that definitely it? You're not, you're not working, mate. Like, are you just not telling me? Are you telling Corey and you've, like, muted my microphone or something? Oh, it was a, a flat ending, and because the match hadn't reached this fever pitch, it never really felt like it got beyond flat, mm. in truth. Uh, you know, more's the pity. It's not like these are no longer the days. We've, we've, we've cracked a lot of yokes tonight, but these are no longer the days where you have to shell out $50 for these things. <laughs> I know they're just on um, peacock, cock, chicken. Um, but, aye, it's, you just, 
expect much more from your pay-per-view endings. Yeah, I think I think I was anticipating a, a Brock or a, a Rock, considering all the four hours of teasers fell around him. Um, not that I expected him physically to do anything, but you know, at least make some sort of appearance. That didn't happen. I, I enjoyed the, the cl- close of the match maybe a little bit more than you did. I thought the spot where. Uh, Roman hit like he kept trying to put him down with Superman punches. It took three in the end, mm. and then he thought, right, well, that's that dealt with. And he does the whole, Ooh, ah, and he's been George Jackham in the crowd, so he hasn't really been paying attention. By the time he turns around, Big E's just up. And that was great. No, that was great. Yes. got a great reaction. And then, yeah, Big E hits the big ending, but Roman's right next to the rope so he can grab them. And like you say, that mad spear through the ropes. He tries to do that a second time. Roman catches him in a guillotine, but they're all in the ropes, so he has to sort of let it go. In the end... Uh, they're fighting on the outside. There was one point when Biggie reversed Roman, throwing him into the steps, and the steps just exploded. Uh, they did the reverse of that with Biggie being thrown into the steps. That sort of uh, injured his leg more, his knee, or, or whatever you want to say, that had been already slightly targeted throughout the night. Roman leaps off the steps, Superman punch, throws Biggie in there, chop blocks the leg, spear, one, two, three. It did seem to be a slightly deflating close to the pay-per-view. On the booking, by the way, just dead quick, I, I still think it's an error. I think Biggie needed this, and I think this was evidence of it. It, it. The quality of this heel run, it's been said a little bit, but I think the whispers are going to start getting louder. The quality of this heel run is becoming increasingly um, defined by who the babyface they're building up to beat him. And I don't feel like there's anybody. Mm. And you, you let Biggie beat him here, then one of these days he's equally as credible to beat him when there's a belt on the line mm-hmm. two years from now, even if if it's somebody else in Dallas and then it's The Rock the next year and you're going to do, Christ, I don't know, a thousand days with Roman Reigns with this championship. I, I don't know, but like, show me anyone even remotely close to being a babyface that could topple this guy. And I'll call it, I'll call it the best heel run of a generation. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing that they're doing the other side of this, of the job with this Roman and things, which is, finding the guy, lining the guys up that are going to be any more than just fodder. Mm. And Big E can't be fodder because he's got the WWE Championship. Yeah, it was strange that they didn't give him almost more of an out as well for the finish. It was just like, oh, well, yeah, Roman didn't necessarily cheat that much. He just sort of took advantage of a slight opportunity that anyone would have probably done in that that scenario. But there we have it, Survivor Series. Uh, All the fallout to be picked up on on Raw and SmackDown with... Bloody hope they do. They tell me who's got the egg. <laughs> this is another one of those who done it. So they don't bother to tell you who got to pay it. it off, man. It's huge. It's we. I don't think we're. I know this is a bit of a piss taking party. Sometimes I get the impression that this is the talking point for most people. Yeah, is the egg like that's that's not us being flippant or facetious, is it? No. Or drawing or focusing zeroing in on one thing because we know we're gonna pop. Our listeners that are just totally devoted to us and alienate the rest that are just like, can you just review the show, please? Uh, the egg was a really prominent feature of this show, and that's what we've got to talk about when it comes to Monday Night Raw. Exactly. Well, and you know what they say about raw eggs. Let us know your thoughts uh, on what went down at Survivor Series on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamblett at... Michael Omelette. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, <laughs> and make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, including our Raw preview. Yeah, and more egg-based stuff. I assume <laughs> with Michael Sidgwick a little bit later on today. And all the fallout on our Raw review, if you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-rated for the five-star review review, you can do that on iTunes by leaving us a five-star review on there. But for now, this has been the Survivor Series review. My thanks to Michael Hamflet. Thank you for joining us, and we...
See you soon. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Listen to this Acast show ad-free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.